Well, good morning. You know, whenever a person is blessed enough to stand in a, a pulpit anywhere, it's the greatest privilege that they can have. But I can honestly say that in all the people who will stand anywhere today, I feel like I'm the most privileged man that there is in the world to be able to stand before this congregation in this house today. What God has done here, continues to do, uh, amazes me, and uh, again, I'm just blessed to, to, to be here. Um, let me open up with a word of prayer. God, we thank you that we don't have to ask you to be here today, that you're already here. God, we thank you that we don't have to ask for your word to be alive, living, and powerful. Because it is, always has been, and always will be. So God, we just ask that you would speak to us today, God. That you would take us deeper than we've ever been. That you would open our eyes to things that we've never seen. God, and you would be honored and glorified in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to talk about living and walking in the Holy Spirit. You know, Galatians 5.25 puts it pretty simple. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. But if we're going to live in the Spirit, we first have to understand just the miraculous, mind-blowing experience that a believer has with the Holy Spirit. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we say things like, we are born again of the Spirit, we're filled with the Spirit, and those things are awesome. But I think sometimes we overlook the experience that has the most far-reaching effect of anything that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And that is this. When we believe in Jesus... The Holy Spirit, who is one with Jesus, who is one with the Father, becomes one with us. Listen to John chapter 14, 16 through 20. And I, pray, I will pray the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father you are in me, and I in you. And Paul in Corinthians, just to make it as clear for people simple-minded like us, and like me especially, says simply this in verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Why is that so important? Why is it so important that we are one with the Holy Spirit. It is this union with the Holy Spirit 
that changes our situation with God from being a relationship to having oneness. See, having a relationship is one thing. Being one is a completely different thing. See, when I was dating Susan, my wife, God bless her, we had a relationship. But when we got married, we became one. Everything, body, soul, and spirit, everything that I had became hers. Everything that she had became mine. You know, have you ever thought about it and and said, you know, man, I wish that I could have a relationship with God like Adam and Eve had before the fall. Walking with them in the garden, talking with God. But I don't mean to blow your mind here. But if we could go back to that, that relationship would be so far inferior to what we have the opportunity to experience with God today that it can't even compare. See, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them a spirit. He said he breathed in them the breath of life, the spirit of life. And God gave man a spirit so he could communicate with God. He could have a relationship with God. We know from Jesus that he says God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Any relationship with God has to be spiritual. So Adam and Eve had a spirit. They could relate to God. But as close as they could ever get to God, and of course we know that they sinned and that relationship was broken, the communication breakdown. But as close as they ever were or could ever get with God, they were never one with him. Their spirits were never one. But we, as believers in Jesus, we aren't just able to communicate with God. We, by the Holy Spirit, become one with God in his spirit. See, we don't just have the ability to know about God, to hear things from God. We have the privilege to know God, get this, as well as we know ourselves. Listen to Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But... God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God, the deepest part of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now here's the good part. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. See, this is really no different than what Jesus was trying to get across when he told the disciples in uh, John chapter 16, verse 5. He says, but now I go to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, 
I will send him to you. I'm sure the disciples were saying, even like I was talking about Adam and Eve in that relationship, how could it get any better than this? How could we get any closer to Jesus standing right here in front of us, walking with him day by day? But Jesus says, let me tell you how. How about if I go from the outside to the inside? How about if we don't just walk together, we walk as one? How about that, Jesus says? There is another reason why God is continually stressing in his word, and Jesus was continually stressing not relationship, but oneness. And that is this. If we see our relationship with the Holy Spirit as simply that, a relationship, and not as oneness, not as being one with him, it is easy to fall into the trap of trying to strive for things, trying to work for things that you already have. See, most of the church still works in the mentality of the woman with the issue of blood, which was great for her, but we're in a different place now. She needed to touch Jesus. He's in us. See, she came with the mentality, and a lot of Christians are stuck in the same thing. If I can just get there, if I can reach far enough, if I can somehow I can do something to get close enough to Jesus, then I can get what I need. But let me ask you this. How much closer can you get than being one with him? What is it that you are going to do to get closer to Jesus, to get closer to God than what the Bible says you already are? See, that's why Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. He prays like this. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. See, Paul didn't pray, God, give him more. Give them more power, God. God, give them more inheritance. Give them more joy. Give them more this. Give them more that. Because that would have been a ridiculous prayer. Because Paul knew that everything that they could ever have of God, they already had. All they needed was their eyes to be open to what was already there. And see, that's where we're at. We need to be able to have our eyes open to what is already there. We need the revelation. See, Satan wants us living in that place where we're striving and reaching and trying to get close to God. God wants us living in that place where we know that we are one with him. See, the problem in a lot of our thinking and even our praying is we are always trying to pray heaven down. But God is telling us, You need to get heaven out. See, we think, we have thought that praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is that God, we we need you to come and move some pieces around. 
But Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. See, we aren't supposed to be thermometers. We're supposed to be thermostats. See, God says you don't... You don't need me to make this play, this world a more loving place. You need to bring the love to the world. See, we've got the thermostat. We've got the power of God. We've got the life of God himself to transform the world. See, you talk about power. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. God's trying to get us to get that power out. Do you realize? I mean, this, this is mind-blowing. Do you realize how much power is in this room? It is if. I mean, this is no exaggeration. I don't know, a thousand, whatever. Jesuses are standing in this room. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in every one of us. Do you not think that God can change the world through us? See, it's about what he does in and through us through the power of the Spirit that is within us. And it gets better. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The two operative words. Has in every There is nothing of the Holy Spirit's blessing that we don't have. All of his joy, all of the peace, all of the love, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is inside of us, is one with us, has the ability to come out through us. And it gets better. It is also this oneness with the Holy Spirit that guarantees our inheritance as sons and daughters. Romans 8, 16. It's the Spirit himself that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Let me talk about this joint heirs with Christ. And I studied this out and I just... I'll bless my socks off. Because you can think of it as, well, that means that like a father dies and, you know, one kid gets the car and the house and the bank account, the other one gets the goat in the back, right? They both were heirs, but one got a lot better deal. This joint heir means heirs of the exact same thing. See, we're heirs of the exact same thing because we are the exact same person in the eyes of God. He has only one only begotten son, and we are in him. And his inheritance is our inheritance, and our inheritance is his inheritance. See, God wants us to stop trying to get more, strive more, and live out of what he's all, live from what he's already given to us. But get this, everything flows from the oneness with him. Uh, 
we want, we want to live out of that oneness, not for the things that that oneness provides. If you live in the oneness of what you are with Christ in, 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 in his spirit, all of the good stuff flows out of that. But it's, what, what do we treasure? What is it that we value? If you value the goods, you're never going to get the oneness. If you value the oneness, if you value your relationship with him, the closeness to him, the intimacy with him, all the other stuff takes care of itself. But I tell you, he is the, he is the greatest part of the inheritance. Our oneness with him, our experience of who he is, the, the ability, the opportunity to walk with him day by day by day is the best part of the inheritance we will ever know. Amen? There's numerous ways that God tries to get across this message of oneness to help us understand it, to help us grasp it. Um, not the least of which is out of Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, if I'm, and we're going to go there in a second, if I was to say what is this about, because it's been taught on so much, and I'm not saying that all the teaching is wrong or, or this, but it has been taught as scripture that is about marriage. But it's not about marriage. Primarily, it's about oneness. And it's about primarily our oneness with Christ. And just so you don't think that I'm a heretic, we're going to go and listen to what Paul says about his own stuff. And we're going to start at the end so he, because he says this is what it's all about. And then we're going to go back and work our way down. Verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 5. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular love his own wife as himself, and the wife see that she respects her husband. The scripture is about two becoming one. It's about what oneness looks like. And I don't have time to do a marriage seminar, but I'm going to throw this in for free. What Paul is trying to paint a picture of is what oneness looks like. See, we have taken Ephesians chapter 5 and said, okay, this is what a husband needs to do, and this is what a wife needs to do. But it is a picture of what oneness looks like, not how you get there. See, if you're operating from an understanding of what oneness is, this is what it's looked like. This is how it's going to function. This is how it's going to work. And so it's that same thing with us and God. So I'll read on Ephesians chapter 5, verses 24 through 30. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also has loved the church and given himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish before him in love. So ought husbands to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. And we're going to hit hit on that one hard. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. First of all, I want to look at what does it mean to be subject to Christ? See, the original word here means just to arrange in the proper order. To get into alignment with. See, what it's saying to see, even as as the church is submit to Christ, is we are to get an alignment with the Holy Spirit. See, God's saying, okay, I'm inside of you. We're one. If you will just align your life with the God that is in you, then this is what's going to happen. This is the goodness that's going to flow out of it. This is the power, the love, the joy, the transformation of this world. If you will align yourself with me, with the Spirit. But the next passage is, is what I really wanted to focus on. Because in here is where lies why it is always the safest in the best thing to align with the Holy Spirit, just as if there was true oneness in a marriage, it would be the best thing for the wife to align with the husband, right? If there's true oneness, according to what oneness looks like in this scripture, why it would be the best thing. And that's this. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his flesh and of his bones. If you are truly one with somebody, to love them is to love yourself. See, and and what Paul's expressing is that this oneness with Jesus in the Spirit is is so genuine It's to such an extent that what happens to him happens to you. And what happens to you happens to him. See, what he's saying here is everything that God does, he does everywhere the Spirit leads, leads so that you will become a beautiful bride. Are you hearing that? Get that down. Why do we submit to Christ? Why do we align with the Spirit? Because we know that He loves us as much as He loves Himself. And everything that He's doing in and through us and around us is to make us a beautiful bride. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He's committed to you. But here's what I believe that, and it's not just here, but it's throughout the church, But I believe that there's people here today that have just simply either completely missed this or just don't believe it. 
So if you hear nothing else that I say today, hear this. God, and I'm talking about those who believe in Jesus, who have the spirit of God, who are one with him in spirit. God is never against you. For God to be against you would be for God to be against himself. But we live so many in this fear that God is with me maybe when I'm good, but as soon as I mess up, all of a sudden God is against me. Or, well, if it's a sign, if everything in life is going good, God is obviously with me, but if something's bad happening in my life, then that means that God is against me. Let me tell you this. It does not matter how bad or good you are. God will not be against you. He's not against himself. And hear this. God will not give up on you. Even when you've given up on yourself. Even when you've given up on him. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Philippians 1, 9, 6. And I am sure of this. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, I have proved this time and time again in my life. I am convinced. This is, I hate to say it, I'm over 50. And I've been with Jesus for a long time. And I am finally, finally convinced of this. I'm going to make it. But listen to me now why I know that I'm going to make it. And that is this. I have given up on myself enough times where God had to come and remind me. Even though I'm saying You did what again? How long have you been a Christian? Where the Holy Spirit had to come and remind me, let me remind you of this, the blood has not lost its power. And I don't care how you feel about yourself right now, let me tell you about how I feel about you. And have him pick me up and say, we're going on. We're going to finish this race. I can't quit. You know why? Because I'm one with Jesus and Jesus ain't giving up. And everybody in here, I don't care where you're at. I don't care how bad you think you've been. God is not done with you. It is not hopeless. God still has in mind for you to become a beautiful bride. And he's not giving up. And let me say this as well. We've got this idea that 
when we go through different hard experiences in life, that God is putting us through something. Well, we got to get through this trial. God's putting me through this trial. He's looking to prove me to prove my love for him. As if God's out there watching. Cheering that he's for us. He's cheering for Boy, I hope you make it. Let me get this down in your spirit today. God never puts you through things. God only walks with you through things. There is no experience in, you, in your life, no pain that you're going through, no suffering that he's not suffering with you. See, we got to get this. we got to get this idea of, of, of God just being there, the Holy Spirit just having a relationship with us and not knowing that he feels our pain. And, and what breaks, I'm sure, the Father's heart is when we choose to think that in those rough times, God's checked out, that God's against us. What we do is we forfeit the life and the power and the love and the joy and the peace that is contained in his spirit that is there to get us through it. See, he's there to get to provide the strength to help us to go from glory to glory. But you know what? If we want to sit and suffer and, and, and kind of mope, the Holy Ghost is, is having to deal with it. You know, I feel sorry for what I've put the Holy Ghost through. Amen? Can I get an amen? I mean, it's unbelievable what he's put up with. How about we start realizing he's with us? How about we start yoking up together and going where he wants us to go and going through victorious and bringing life not only to ourselves but to others and realizing that, hey, he is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. I will not leave you orphans. Amen. If the worship team could begin to come up. So this is what it is to walk in the Spirit. When we realize that we are one together, we realize that he experiences, and, and this, this is the good, I, I can't leave this out. He doesn't just experience our pain. Thank goodness. He also experiences our joy, and we experience his joy. See, and that's what walking in the Spirit is about, is where we begin to walk through life and trusting the Holy Spirit that if he's not happy, we're probably not happy, right? That he's everything that the Holy Spirit is leading us. If we feel a check, if we feel conviction in our spirit, it's probably because we shouldn't be going in that direction, not because God's trying to make his life miserable. He, he, he's wanting to make his life good and our life good. Amen? See, I can tell you this. 90%, I just picked that number out of the air. That's random. But of the things that I'm crying out for God to come and fix in my life are things where I either disobeyed where the Holy Spirit wanted me to go or I never asked. You know what I'm saying? Our troubles, you can look back, I can anyway, and say, okay, that was the problem. 
If I just would have followed the Spirit, if I just would have allowed, if I just would have gotten alignment with the Holy Spirit, I would be at a different place right now. The fruit of my life would be at a completely different place this, than it is right now. Because we got to know that we know that we know that to walk with the Spirit is for Him to continually be making our lives into that beautiful bride. Amen? So here's how I want to close. 2 Timothy 1.6, and I love this. I love the way the, the Holman translation puts this verse. Keep ablaze the gift that is in you. Keep ablaze the gift that is in you. Because as we sit here today, the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, and if you're not, and let me just say this, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you haven't been born again, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today you can experience this oneness that I'm talking about. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness of your sins and for God, Jesus, to forgive you and to come into your life and to bring brand new life by the Holy Spirit and you can become one with him. But if you're here and you have the Holy Spirit, everything that you need is in you. You just need to have your eyes open for to see it or to have it stirred up. And so this is what I'm this is what we're going to do during this song. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing and we're going to believe that God is going to stir up the spirit within us. I don't know what you need to hear from God today. That you what maybe you're in here and you're in sin and and you're you're needing God to say okay to dust you off and to pick you back up and to clean you off and say okay we're going we're going forward. Maybe you have sickness in your body. In the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you. And maybe you need a release of that power in your body. Maybe it's a mental sickness. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Whatever it is, the Spirit of God can be released. The kingdom of God can come in your life right now. So I want to, to, to pray and to sing and to worship. And I want it not only to flow in you, but I want it to flow through you. In other words, there may be people here who are sick who don't even know Jesus. I'm believing today that the Spirit of God will flow through you, that you will bring that life, that you will bring the love that they're looking for, that it will not only give you and be everything you need it to be, but it will be what everybody in this place needs to be, and even outside of this place to the whole city of Peoria. There's a lot of sadness out there. There's a lot of depression out there, but you know what? There's a lot of joy and peace and power in this place. Amen? So let's get it from here to out there. Amen? So God, in the name of Jesus, stir us up, Lord. Stir up your spirit within us. Tell us what we need to hear, God. Show us what we need to see. Move in a way that we need you to move, in the way this city needs you to move today, God. We give you all the honor, all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do it.